and welcome to another episode of A Novel Evening. I'm Danny. you can find me over on Instagram as at Blotted Ink Books, and I'm so excited to be joined this week by the lovely Polly Crosby. Uh, she is the author of The Illustrated Child and her newest novel, The Unraveling. Um, I'm very, very pleased to have her on board. I can't wait to chat with her about both novels, uh, and of course to find out about her fantasy evening so let's get stuck in and see what Polly has planned for her novel evening. So big hello to Polly, hi! Hi Danny, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you on this Sunday? Yeah, yeah good, we've had a nice day out in the sunshine and uh, yeah looking forward to a nice cosy evening in now. Oh we've had like no sunshine, it's just been really windy and a bit cold. Oh well, that's not good. It's not good. We'll get there. At some point we'll have a summer or like at least a spring. <laughs> yeah. And until then, you can just tuck yourself up in bed and read books. So all's good, isn't it, really? Do you know, I love the fact my favourite thing is when it's raining and I don't feel obliged to do anything. Yeah. I kind Lovely. of love that. And I'm like, oh, no, it's raining. I have to stay in all day and just watch films and read books. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel guilty at all. But thank you so much for, for coming on and joining me. I'm really excited to, uh, to hear all about your evening. <laughs> Wow, thank you so much I'm so excited to tell you it's there have been so many ideas going around my head um I've not yeah. done my own yet and when I people one, I'm like oh I want to do that one and I do that one and now I'm like I don't know what I would do so I'm excited <laughs> to see what you've come up with but obviously first I met you on bookstagram and have chatted with you and I was very lucky to receive a proof of your first novel the yeah. Illustrated Child, which that was a little while ago now. It's a couple of years since that came it, out. It was, yeah, 2020. And it was delayed due to COVID as well. So it felt really, really like a long lead up time to me. Yeah. How was it to publish a book during like the pandemic? Was it kind of very strange? Ooh. It was it was odd. Um, I suppose I haven't got anything to compare it to, but it was scary initially and frustrating. But actually, because so much happened during the pandemic with regard Zoom and online stuff and meeting people online and things. It was actually in so many ways lovely because I got to know so many more bookstagrammers and people on Twitter and I got to do some lovely events that I wouldn't have been able to do um, because, you know, they were across the world and things. So it's it, it was good and bad, but um, I think there's been some really positive things come from it as well. I think it's almost made books and authors more accessible Definitely. in a lot of ways. There's lots of events that I did as well that I would never have been, I, you know, I'm right down in Devon. So things in London or up north are just not easy to get to. And there were so many nice online events that you could just go to in, from your living room. I know. So lovely. And you can wear your pyjamas. I know. I mean, I'm wearing a nice jumper here, but I'm actually in pyjama bottoms. And that's the yeah. joy of... <laughs> same here. Same here, jumper. <laughs> PJ Bottoms, it's the list. Business on top, sleep on the bottom. <laughs> and I love, so the Illustrated Child was a really, it was a really childlike, beautiful story. I really enjoyed it and I found it quite an emotional book to read. And I think actually the pandemic and things made it even more emotional when I read it. Yeah, I think books I like that hit a little harder. <laughs> Yeah. And again, that's really cruel because at the time that the pandemic started, people really wanted happy, joyful books. And I wrote this 
this coming of age story with a really dark theme. And um, I think it, it definitely found its readers um, and I'm so proud of it, but I, I feel like a lot of people picked it up thinking, oh, it's about a child who's being illustrated. It must be really pretty and lovely. And although it is pretty and lovely, it's also quite, quite dark and sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a real sort of up and down story I found. One minute I'd be kind of really uplifted by the tail and then the next breath I'd be like oh god like <laughs> that's the power of a good story if you can feel all those emotions at once yeah it's yeah, incredible how does it compare now obviously the unraveling is is out and you know early you know it's only recently come out how has that compared has it been a completely different experience oh totally totally and they were both lovely um but I felt with the unraveling I got out and did things and talked to bookshop owners and I created window displays in bookshops and I had an event at Waterstones um, I still haven't had a proper launch because Omicron arrived just as the unraveling <sighs> came out so and I have to be quite careful but yeah. it, it's definitely been more open and I've been able to go places and talk to people and it's it's so lovely to actually interact with people properly as opposed to on a screen because as much as I'm enjoying doing this looking at you it's so different when you're in a room with yeah. someone it's it's just oh it's so exciting and to see your book in the wild as well like lots yeah. of them and get to be there and see people picking them up and coming to get them yeah. signed and all that kind of thing must be completely different absolutely yeah um to actually go and see my book in a window of a bookshop is incredible I think I had two days of the bookshops being open with the illustrated child and then lockdown happened and, and that oh. was my book um but this time book. It's been a lot more, I know it's so cruel it's been a lot more exciting with the unraveling and you know I, I'm going into bookshops and I'm signing books and, and talking to people and, and just pointing at my book and going oh my god that, that's mine it, it's it's real it didn't feel real during the pandemic it, it felt virtual in every sense so yeah yeah and obviously it's a very different story the unraveling to the illustrated child what was your inspiration behind it um, the Unravelling is based on an island off the Suffolk coast, which I actually made up. But the uh, inspiration for the island was um, a place called Orford Ness in Suffolk, which is a spit of land um, just off Orford, believe it or not. Um, and it's it's got a really interesting military history. Uh, the MOD took the land over during the 20th century and um, they did lots of secretive experiments um, to do with all kinds of things, radar and nuclear testing and it was it's still cloaked in secrecy what what they did there was um, it inhabited was it an inhabited island that only the no there? only the people that work for the mod so oh, okay. yeah, it was it was on its own completely and um then in the 90s the national trust took it over and began to rewild it so you've got this really interesting layer of secretive history underneath all this beautiful wildlife and there's bits of concrete erupting out from the ground and barbed wire and it just every time I go there because you can go and visit it it's just it makes me tingle it's you don't know what happened there and it's just the beginning of so many stories in my head so that's where it started. I, lo I love the idea of like the wild taking back something yeah. especially if it's been a place for like it's a very secretive you know things based around war and the military and for the you know nature to creep back in there and take it back is really fascinating and I love that you went there and were completely inspired <laughs> by it 
<laughs> yeah, completely random, random way in. Yeah, I, I love the way that the land can be scarred by humans and yet it will always win. It will always overcome. And yeah, I think that's the message really in, in the novel that I wanted to convey that nature is so important and we need to take care of the, the place that we live on because it will just chuck us off if we don't. <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot of nature in the illustrated child as well. I felt like, you know, there was a lot of the land coming into the childhood and, and vice versa. Is it kind of something that you're really inspired by? Do you find that your work is always kind of a little influenced by the world around you is in sort of the nature and the land? Definitely, yeah. I was brought up on the Suffolk coast and I live in the countryside in Norfolk now. Um, I'm definitely not a city girl. Um, <laughs> no, I agree with you that I'm such a country mouse. <laughs> uh, it's great. I love it. And I love that uh, the landscape to me is, is like a character in itself. You know, the weather and everything around you, how how you sense it, how you feel it, it's it's so important to me. And I think I do try and get that across in my writing, certainly. Oh, that's beautiful. And are you working on anything at the moment, a third book? I have just finished my third book um, and I'll be starting to edit it quite soon. Um, I haven't got a date for publication yet, but I think it'll be early next year. Um, I can't give you a title because... Although it has a title, we never know if they're going to change or not. <laughs> it could stay the same, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about a young, uh, young woman who breaks into a derelict mansion on the Suffolk coast and inside she finds a portrait of herself, uh, but it was actually painted 40 years before she was born. So it's another another sort of gothic mystery. Uh, I'm def definitely going down the historical dual timeline route. Yeah. For so, yeah. It's got almost that feeling of being like doppelgangers. You know, people say that there's always been, and I know there's a big thing about celebrities, is there people finding portraits from hundreds of years ago that look like Nicolas Cage or, do you know what I mean? But there is this idea of, you know, people out there who look just like you. I love it. Yeah. It's so unsettling as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. My, my sister and I look quite similar and she actually moved quite close to me about a year ago. And now whenever I go to her village, everyone goes, hi, thinking it's my sister. And I'm like, this is so odd. I've never oh. met you. <laughs> There's so many stories on the Internet as well that I find fascinating of people who've gone you know, abroad and have either passed someone who looks exactly like, you know, as close oh, yeah. as you can possibly look to somebody. Yeah. And they think, don't they, they say like the odds are that everybody's got like a twin out there or someone who looks yeah. so similar that they look like they could be related, which I think is so cool. It is. It's quite freaky, isn't it? <laughs> I, love, I love the fact it's a derelict mansion because already in my head, I'm like, so what happened to this woman in this portrait and what's happened? I've already got questions, so I already can't wait. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. It. And it used about titles. Both of your books previously have obviously been published under other titles as well um, in, in different countries. What's the yeah. reasoning behind that? I'm always curious. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so The Illustrated Child is called The Book of Hidden Wonders in America and Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and the reasoning is that the market is very different. And so they've got different covers as well. Um, and they, the sales and the design team knows what sells in their area. Yeah. Um, and The Unraveling is called The Women of Pearl Island in America and Australia and New Zealand. So yeah, really totally different. Yeah. Totally different. It's so funny, isn't it? It's so funny. I know a lot of books do that. And the cover I, I love the cover for the illustrated child I think it's so beautiful with her red hair and so it's really yeah. interesting that it's got a completely different name and cover 
I know, I know, it's so odd. And um, the British titles are the ones that I chose, and yeah. then my editor in uh, the US came up with the others. And they do, they do fit with their style yeah. of, of book, you know. And I, I totally understand that it wouldn't necessarily work so well with my original title, but it's still very strange seeing it. I was going to say, does it feel a bit odd when you pick it up and think, oh, it's like, oh, it's I wrote my work, but. <laughs> Yeah. so funny so I'm very no I'm kind of feel like I'm going to guess a little bit of your evening I feel like we're probably going to be going somewhere that's enmeshed in a bit of nature how did you know how could I have guessed do you know, it's really funny some people come on and I'm like I have no idea what you're going to say and other people give little hints when I'm like "Ooh, I don't know your <laughs> guests though I have no idea who you're going to invite so but tell us to start with where are we going to go for your evening Okay, well, it, it's really hard. I mean, you kind of get a get an idea in the same way that I get an idea for a book, you know, something, a picture comes in my head. So basically, I'm actually working on a book at the moment, which is set in a TB sanatorium, um, in a very luxury elite hotel, basically, for people with TB, uh, set in the 1930s. And people with TB used to spend a lot of time outside because in the same way that the pandemic has encouraged us to meet people outside, you don't pass on things so well. So in my um, the grounds of my sanatorium, it's a very luxurious place and there's a pine woodland. And in the middle of the woods is a beautiful, huge glade, which is filled with the most luxurious furniture and decadent everything. It's got little white light bulbs strung around it and beautiful gilt mirrors all around reflecting it back. And there's wow. uh, velvet sofas and Persian rugs and a grand piano in the corner. And it's a very, very pretty, very odd kind of place, which is sort of my writing is pretty enough. So I'm marvelling because this has come out of your brain as well. Let's just say yeah. this, I'm like, you've made this up. This sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I want so to I go. It would be a good setting, I think, because it would be really um, just atmospheric. And and as the as the light died and the night came and the stars came out, I think it would be kind of beautiful. So that's where I'm having my evening. I've got an image of someone with the piano playing some beautiful music. And OK, mm-hmm. I'm I like this image. And now mm-hmm. I also want to read this story about this very cool TB sanatorium with this glamorous outside decadent glade. I'm here for it. Okay, so who is the first guest we're going to welcome into the glade? Okay, well, again, this is really tricky because I wasn't sure whether to invite people from now who are real, who are alive, or people who are were real but are no longer alive, or fictional people, and yeah. or a mixture. And it's there are so many people to choose from, so many. Um, <laughs> But I thought it makes sense to go with people who are either not real or who are no longer alive because I'll never get the chance to meet them. You know the way to issue that invite, yeah. Exactly, I mean, everyone that's alive now, there is a small chance that I might actually meet them. Um, That's what I tell myself about like Chris Evans and I'm like, there's a very small chance I might get to go to dinner with him is what gets me through my life. It might happen, it might. In your, in your wildest dreams. If he ever comes to Devon for a little mini break or something. <laughs> it's all <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with um, authors from, from okay. the past. So my first choice would be Dodie Smith, who wrote 101 Dalmatians. And 
I Capture the Castle, which is my favourite book of all time, um, a coming of age book set in the 30s in Suffolk. Oh. You can see where this is going. Um, oh, so yeah, she's very she, at home then. She yeah, would be, yeah. I think she very much likes the the landscape, nature, and I, I think she'd be a fascinating person to talk to. So she's my first guest. So obviously, I'm I'm a child of the '90s. So 101 Dalmatians to me was the the animation, and then the the Glenn Close film. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize for a long time it was a book. Yeah, ridiculously. Yeah. Um, I've not read. Uh, I captured the castle. It's on my list. Are they very different stories? They sh- they sound very different. <laughs> yeah, totally. But they're both lovely. They are both lovely. Um, but yeah, I captured the castle is just oh, it just makes me sigh. It's such. It's one of the only books that I will go back to again and again and again. Oh, so you'd have questions for her then. You'd have some things you'd want to ask. Oh, definitely, definitely. I know that. Um, I think that she wrote it when she was living in America and she felt very homesick for England and she went over and over and over the draft over years and every every little thing was changed and polished and to the point that I feel as if when I hand the book over I should have spent another 20 years on it you know um, but yeah she, she just sounds like a really interesting character and and her her books are just so beautiful and so bittersweet I think the word is oh. and I love that. Well, we'll usher her into the glade and we'll put her in a nice wing back chair um yes. with a little drink in hand so she's our first guest I'm guessing we've got a few guests coming a few I haven't overloaded because I think after the first glass of champagne I'll just be wanting to talk and talk and talk so you know I need to get in depth with these people <laughs> yeah if you've got too many you're going to spread yourself too thin and you need totally. to talk to everyone. Yeah, but and I'm, also after the second glass of champagne, I won't remember. So I need to, you know, get talking before the before the wine. Before the second one hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Who's the next guest we're going to welcome? Okay, my next guest is Frances Hodgson Burnett, who wrote The Secret Garden. Oh, I, yeah. it's been such a long time since I've read that book, but it's so beautiful. It is. Yeah, she she sounds like a very cool woman indeed. Um, And again, I love the fact that she writes about nature. And in the same way that I like to that I have put these people in the centre of nature, she did that with the secret garden. She created these walls and inside is this crazy, wild, magical space. And I, I love that idea. I think it's really really fascinating the garden is a character itself isn't it it is it is one of the main characters of that story and I do love that it's that now you've said that I'm like oh I'm gonna have to read that again now it's been so long (laughs) oh my word and I love we've got you know two amazing female authors are coming into the space so I'm already here for it who is the third person we're going to welcome Okay, we're going with a male this time. Oh, <laughs> in fact, two males. Uh, these are my great great uncles, um, Charles Robinson and William Heath Robinson. Oh, and they were both know. illustrators and artists. And Charles Robinson illustrated um, the Secret Garden. Uh, yeah, which is pretty. No way, that's incredible. Yeah, and William Heath Robinson um, illustrated many books, including. Um, Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tales and lots of the lots of the greats. Um, so they're really I'm I'm quite an arty-ish person, not in their league at all. But I think it would be fascinating to actually meet them instead of just read about them. 
Um, and I think also they'd have some great conversations with my other guests as well. Were you always aware that they were relations? So did you kind of know or is it something you found out? Yeah, no, I, I did. Um, so there's a saying very occasionally used these days that, that if you say something's a bit Heath Robinson, it means it's a bit, it'll sort of work, but it's a bit, bit messy. And it basically, I know it's random, it basically comes from William Heath Robinson created illustrations of contraptions. Um, and they were very, very popular in their time. And they tended to use bits of knotted string and old lumps of wood and, and strange wheels and cogs. And it was a sort of comic way of doing illustrations and uh, ever since that's a bit Heath Robinson means oh, might work <laughs> might fall apart um, and so yeah so we've always known that we've had this link with yeah. this odd family and, um, and in uh, the illustrated child um, the father uh, Tobias Kemp he's he's a bit of a Heath Robinson himself he makes yeah. things he makes crazy mobiles in the garden and strange he has a gives Romilly a very strange box that has lots of clockwork bits and bobs and yeah I, I love the idea of, of just making contraptions and designing them and and yeah all the inner workings that you can't necessarily see so I thought they would both be really interesting people to talk to oh my um, goodness absolutely and you said I mean I saw you did a beautiful sort of mural painting of the cover of the illustrated child and yeah. for someone who can, my jaw's like, draw me something. I'm like, this is a flower. Like, <laughs> that's all I can do. I think you're very artistic. So it's very interesting that maybe that's come down through the family line. Obviously, that's something yeah. that's that's carried on. And I love the idea of you meeting with, you know, your great uncles and, and chatting about, about your work and their work. Wouldn't it be amazing to, you know, for someone that you're related to, to, to find out about your, your family generations before you and see where your influences really have come from and things I think that this would is be a story cool. idea I can hear it and I, I would love to be able to get my my great-grandmother lived in uh, in Scotland and had had a really interesting life and I would love to be able to sit with her at any age really as a, as a younger woman and just sit and ask her questions yeah yeah I think the thing is with with the relations that we have alive now yeah. it's so easy to forget that you've only got a certain amount of time that you can actually find things out and talk to them and you know there are so many things in our family's past that we don't know about and yeah. that's, that's another idea for a book there isn't yeah. it you know and I think it's really easy with grandparents and you know my grandparents are now in their 80s I'm very lucky to have to have two of my grandparents you know I have children my own so they have their great-grandchildren but it's almost easy to forget that they were my age once yeah. <laughs> and that they had a life before they were kind of grandparents. And I was yeah. like, gosh, I need to ask them about when they were children and teenagers. Yeah. And what was it like when you got married? And you don't think about any of those things. No, no, it feels so long ago, doesn't it? And yet yeah, it's like you've always been old. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I love the fact we're going to invite them into this beautiful glade and yeah. chat with them. So have you got anybody else coming? I do. I've got two more people. Oh, um, I, think, I think six is a nice number. Is that okay? Are I think six is a nice number. number. Yeah, I think I would go wild. I'd have like 20 people at my big, <laughs> massive party. <laughs> I think six is yeah. nice to all sit and yeah. have no drinks or a bite to eat. Oh, that's a nice number. Absolutely. No, you're right. Um, my next one would be uh, Daphne du Maurier who needs no introduction and I would basically just quiz her on exactly how she writes so blooming brilliantly um yeah and she's been a very popular choice on on the podcast she has been really popular and I'll admit I've only ever read Rebecca 
Um, I do, I always intend to read more of her work. But even that, I read it, I was like, how does somebody come up with this? Yeah, yeah. I watched a documentary on her a while ago and she she said that she never really thought much of Rebecca. She had she had preference for other books that wow. she'd written. I didn't realize she wrote the birds either. I did oh, not yeah. know that, which yeah. is so dark. Yeah, love it. <laughs> and I think she'd get on well with your other your other guests that yeah. you've got there. I think they'd all find each other very fascinating. I think there's some really strong women there um, with very interesting lives outside of writing. Mm-hmm. And I would find that really interesting. I think seeing seeing how she was in her later years, she just she was brilliant. She didn't care. She just got on and did what she wanted. Oh, and, my goodness. You, know, you wouldn't just, care. If you're her, you wouldn't care, would you? <laughs> exactly. I aspire to be like that. You know, don't give a whatever about anything. Just, oh, everyone needs to be like a little more Daphne. That needs to be <laughs> <Yeah>. the... <laughs> Be more Daphne. I think everyone needs to do that. I love Love it. it. Okay, so she's going to come in and sit down and probably get chatting with everybody and regale us with some tales. Who's your last guest who's going to uh, arrive? My last guest is Roald Dahl. (laughs) I've got such a special place in my heart for Roald Dahl. I'm reading them with my little girl at the moment. Uh, She's only five. We've done Matilda and we're just doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm, I'm working my way towards like the twits and the witches <laughs> I think we're gonna do like SEO trot before we get to the yeah. <laughs> the darker stuff but I just that imagination yeah yeah incredible and again he seemed such an interesting man um and I loved the fact that he had this uh, shed in the garden that he wrote all his stories and he he had pencils he sharpened pencils and wrote in pencil only and only wrote at certain hours of the day and he just sounded so so interesting and I loved his um his memoirs um boy and oh I've uh, not read them I don't know why but now I'm going to (laughs) no you must you must they're they're wonderful they give such an insight into his early years and yeah fascinating you can go and see his shed can't you as well I think you can go and visit his I would love to do that and hopefully yeah. if I touched everything, I'd get some like positive writing vibes. <laughs> sure. That's good. Always and he was good, quite yeah. a sad figure as well, because obviously he lost his, his daughter at a very young yeah. age. And a lot of his writing was really motivated, wasn't it, by, yeah. by her. Yeah, incredible. He wrote, he wrote a lot for adults as well. And he did, um, what was the TV programme that he did? I was talking, Tales of the Unexpected, which is oh, in the really? really dark. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I had no idea that was to do with him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think all his stuff was was quite dark, you know, including... It is. The <laughs> even, even Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I mean, you've got kids pretty much nearly being killed. Oh, I'm so... <laughs> if ever my children ask for chocolate, I'm like, you're going to be like Augustus Gloop. And I realise what I was saying. I'm like... You can't, or like Mike TV, when they want to watch loads of telly, I'm like, you're turning into Mike TV. And I realised, like, oh, And Matilda, actually, with her parents. Yeah. And obviously Miss Trunchbull. Miss it Trunchbull. is all very dark. It is. It's brilliant. I think kids love that. I think that's what he touched into, is actually kids, people underestimate how much kids quite like to be a little bit frightened yes. when they know the outcome will be good. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I've been trying to write a, a children's book and... Um, it's really tricky getting that balance between frightening them, but not scaring the bejesus out of them. <laughs> yes, I think it is. I think it's important not to like condescend children, yeah. because I think if things are a bit too twee and a bit too lovely, my little girl especially, bless her, she's quite morbid. Um, <laughs> she's very, she's all in pink and tutus. 
but she's she very much likes to talk but she's obsessed with the titanic at the moment oh, and that's wow. her favorite subject to talk about and she's got there's a lovely um series called little people big dreams mm-hmm. that you could buy and they cover all different figures throughout history and they're amazing mm-hmm. everything like dolly parton to mary anning to ruth bader ginsburg they're all there and for men my little boy's got rupaul and he's got david attenborough but she loves to go because she's like they're they're dead they're dead so are they so if a story hasn't got a little bit, a little bit of darkness in it, yeah, she gets a bit distracted. But yeah, it's a, it's a fine line to be. Like I remember Goosebumps when I was like, yeah, probably about eleven. I remember picking one of those. I'd be like, no, no, this is too frightening. <laughs> <laughs> I am a wimp though. Oh, and what, what is your sort of child? You know, your story idea for children. What is it kind of? In- oh, it's a, a fractured fairy tale. So it's it's about a young girl who is extremely feisty and wants to just wants to be her best at being full on and feisty and brave. And and all the men and the boys in this world that I've created are very much well, girls aren't aren't like that. You can't do that. You have to dress this way and you have to behave like that. And it's about her breaking those boundaries. Um, it's yeah, it's sort of set in a in a woodland, <laughs> of course. In a wood, yeah, I sense um, a theme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like trees. I'm actually I'm a forest school leader by trade, so I um, so you know I just love outdoors. So oh, yeah, that makes I perfect really sense. Good. I can absolutely <laughs> that. And do you know what I love? You, you have me straight because obviously I have a daughter and I have a son. And I love reading those stories to my son as well. I mean, he's obviously he's got yeah. me as a mother, and he also has a sister, so I think he'll figure out pretty quickly <laughs> excellent <laughs> and he he's the opposite he loves if his sister's got makeup he's obsessed he loves makeup oh, and wearing her dresses and and all that which I adore and I love that there's more literature out there for children because I don't remember that as a kid no that's the thing I think also I was talking to my agent about it the other day because um I have cystic fibrosis and um there's a lot more about disability and illness and chronic illness and all those things in books now. Um, and there is so much more representation these days in every way, isn't there? It's just, it's incredible. Um, For children, I think, especially to see yeah. themselves represented in, in the pages makes a huge difference completely. Yeah, but there's always room for more, I think. There's always room for more stories. And yeah, uh, I like the sound of your one. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be pre-ordering that for my daughter when I get <laughs> Well, wait and see. It's not, not quite there yet. But, you know, maybe another oh, it's exciting years. though. So we've got all our guests. We've got our amazing illustrators and our authors, um, which I'm loving. So is there anybody who you don't want to come to your party? This is the most horrendous <laughs> question. You're, you're horrible. Huh? I always cop out and say, like, Sauron. Do you know what I mean? Or Voldemort. <laughs> That's always my choices. Go really awful, because no one's going to yeah. want that at the party. But I'm intrigued okay. who you've chosen. I, I finally came up with one after really, really, really struggling. And um, have you read We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson? So, Shirley Jackson, not Mary Shelley. <laughs> not Mary Shelley, Shirley Jackson. But no, I haven't. But funnily enough, I did buy a copy because she oh. was one of the choices on one of the oh. episodes. And I went to a charity shop the next day and found a copy of that book. So I've got it. I'm going to read it very soon. Um, and I'm guessing there's someone in that who I'm not going to be a fan of. Well, I'm not going to say one specific person because I think as a whole, there's such an odd, wonderful, eerie, odd collection of people that I'm actually slightly bending the rule and saying not one person, but anyone in that house, I really don't want them to come along. 
Is that the I don't think no, I don't think that's rule bending. I think that's very fair. I think, yeah, I think if the occupants of the house were to come, we could say no thank you. Yeah, I mean, if you had a real life party, you could say, I don't want Jim and Gloria from number 35. Yeah. You, know? you wouldn't just say, oh, no, Gloria, she's whew, she's got funny teeth. <laughs> yeah, I do like Jim's okay, but he definitely can't bring his wife. <laughs> you can't do it, can you? You have no. to do an all-out ban on the house. The whole house has to be a no. I think that's very fair. Um, <laughs> and I think you've chosen a really fun evening. Nobody else has done an outside you know tb sanatorium glamorous hotel no way you're kidding (laughs) no funnily enough it's not the top of the destination list um but i love it i really love it thank you for for sharing that and for sharing all your uh all the people you've chosen actually you could have probably picked some some royal dial baddies for the people you don't want to come because there was a lot true true but I kind of love them all too much, so I probably would have to have them come along. Just like, because... Oh, the twits! They can, they need a party. They might be a bit yeah, nice exactly. And <laughs> they do really good party tricks. What with the worm spaghetti and the eyeball and the glass and things. So, oh, yeah. it's the eyeball and the glass for me. I think that's that's traumatized me since I was a child. I've got a real thing about eyes. Well, <laughs> that bothers me. But thank you. And I always ask people when they come on, do you have a current read? Are you currently reading something? I am. I've only just started it. Um, Violets by Alex Hyde, uh, which is it's about two women in the aftermath of the Second World War. Um, and it's so far just absolutely beautiful. It's really lyrical. Mm. I think it's a debut. Um, yeah, if you if you get a chance, it's I think you like it. Oh, OK. So that's the worst bit about this podcast is everyone recommends <laughs> books. I'm like, I will buy those. And I realise it's. <laughs> I, I'm not going to pretend anymore I'm like yeah it's just a problem I will buy it and I'll just I'll add it to the TBR but I will absolutely it sounds beautiful yeah no it's so far I've only a few pages in but I've heard so many good things um and my my last book I just have to say because it's also yeah. extremely good is um by Joe Browning Rowe A Terrible Kindness it's um I read that uh, I was really lucky to be on the read-along that um oh. tandem tandem did um, and we got to do a Q&A with her as well, which was oh. incredible. And it's, I, I cried so much. And actually I asked my grandma about Abafan because she was a similar sort of age when it happened. Um, yeah. And I remember saying to her, she said, you know, that entire country, it's a bit probably like our 9-11. I think everyone mm-hmm. can remember when they heard about it. Yeah. yeah Such absolutely. a huge thing. And she handled it. She wrote that story so beautifully. Yeah, incredibly. I, yeah. I'm going to see her. She's coming near to where I live uh, next month and I can't wait to go and see her talk. Oh my goodness. She she kind of explained how she kind of got into the story and the research she did and it's incredibly fascinating. Really? Um, yeah, because I think she she did actually talk with people who had worked worked there in that yeah. position. It's fictional, but she'd actually talked to someone and kind of discussed yeah. their story. And I think the people of Aberfan were really really nervous to talk to her but I think she managed to talk to quite a lot of them which is incredible it is absolutely it's uh, it's such an unusual um career choice isn't it um you know you you have to be a very specific type of person to be able to do that and then to go to somewhere like Aberfan and and deal with that that's just yeah amazing absolutely well a fun fact when I was a child I really wanted to become a coroner um yeah and I was not good enough at science and I think now as an adult I think maybe I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I thought I would um yeah there's a really amazing woman called uh Caitlin I might say wrong Doherty 
And she worked in a crematorium when she was in her kind of nine, you know, she was 19, 20, and she's written a series of books about her experiences. And they're incredibly, mm-hmm. so if you get a chance, they're nonfiction, but they're quite funny. Um, oh, some of her experiences she had were quite, were quite hilarious, but she's become a kind of a promoter. She has a website called The Good Death. And she's mm-hmm. trying to kind of promote death as this not so commercialized, scary thing and more of, you know, it's going to happen. So why not make, yeah. you know, make it enjoyable? Um, so I definitely Absolutely. recommend her. It's uh, really, oh, really cool. interesting. Yeah, she's a really cool writer. She's a very cool woman as well. Um, so I recommend her. But thank you so, so much. This has been honestly such a joy. Danny, it's been lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.